Good morning, and again, happy Easter. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is indeed one of the strangest Easter's that I can remember. Here we are at the church, empty on Easter. That's the title of the message today, empty on Easter. Find your Bible, open it up right there with you, Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most powerful and impactful truths in all of history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 28, begin reading with me in verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where they lay him. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Remember this morning, the power is in the perfect word of God. As you look around our community, maybe your neighborhood and the streets that surround your home, You'll notice something very interesting these days. They're mostly empty. Stores are empty. Restaurants are empty. Parking lots are empty. Schools are empty. Church buildings are empty. I've turned around today so that you can see the empty room behind me as I preach on the subject, Empty on Easter. Maybe you have seen some of the strange scenes around the world. I saw a photo of... Times Square in New York City, normally busy with activity, almost completely abandoned. There was another photo of one lone runner in the mall at Washington, D.C. with the Washington Monument in the background. Another photo I saw was of a beach that would normally be teeming with people over spring break, basically abandoned and virtually empty. Then, here's one of the strangest ones, the most magical place on earth, Disney World. Here's a picture of the castle. The place is totally and completely abandoned. When we see photos like this or experience what we see in our community, everything seems empty. It can cause fear, anxiety, concern, and worry. But I want to remind you this morning of something else that's empty. The tomb is still empty. And because the tomb is empty, we can have hope and joy and peace and power even in days like these. And so as we think about this idea, empty on Easter, we're reminded that the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope, gives us joy, strength, and power. There was a little boy named Philip. He was born with Down's syndrome. He wasn't like all the other kids. In fact, he'd already been held back a couple of years. He was the oldest child in his Sunday school class at church, and he was surrounded by third graders, mostly eight-year-olds. 
Well, one Sunday, Philip's Sunday school teacher gave the kids an assignment. She said, I'm going to give you an empty Easter egg, and next Sunday on Easter, I want you to come back, and I want you to fill this empty Easter egg with signs of life. Easter came, and all the boys and girls gathered around the classroom, and they put the empty eggs that they had filled on the table in front of their teacher. The teacher began to open the eggs, and of course, as you can imagine, the, the first one she opened, it, it had a flower. This represents signs of new life. A little girl said, oh, that's, that's mine. That's the flower that I picked. Another little boy had put a blade of grass as the grass begins to grow in the spring, and that represents new life. One had been able to capture a butterfly and put the butterfly in the empty Easter egg, and as the teacher opened the egg, the butterfly flew away, representing new life. The teacher opened another one, and in it was a rock. Everybody began to laugh. Hey, that doesn't make sense. And one little boy said, that's mine. I decided to be funny because everyone else was going to use a flower, butterfly, grass, something new. I just decided to put a rock there. And the teacher came to the very last egg and she opened it up and it was empty. Somebody hadn't done their assignment. All the kids looked around and said, hey, that's not fair. That doesn't make sense. Somebody didn't do it. And little Philip spoke up. He said, hey, teacher, that's mine. I did do it. I did the assignment. I did it right. The egg is empty because the tomb is empty. And because the tomb is empty, I can have new life. It wasn't just a few weeks later, Philip came down with a very serious infection. His body could not overcome. He passed away. All the kids from that Sunday school class were at his funeral and instead of walking down and placing flowers on his casket, each of those children placed an empty Easter egg representing the new life, the new body, the resurrection that Philip had experienced in heaven. The Bible tells us that the disciples, the followers of Jesus, were completely and totally transformed after the resurrection of Jesus Something changed within them. Because Christ was no longer dead, he was alive. And they were transformed. I want you to notice in verse 8, 9, and 10 of the passage we read in Matthew 28, how the lives of the followers of Jesus were fundamentally transformed by the resurrection. First of all, notice in verse 9, they were transformed from despair to delight. From despair to delight. Jesus had made a prophecy earlier in the Gospel of John. He had said, I will be stricken, the shepherd will be stricken, and the sheep will be scattered. In Matthew 26, Jesus says, the shepherd will be stricken, the sheep will scatter. He's the good shepherd. He's speaking of himself, his crucifixion. And the sheep, those are the followers of Jesus, the disciples that would then abandon Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. The prophecy that Jesus made became true. The Bible says that all who followed Christ on that night were scattered. Some ran back to their homes in fear. Some followed at a distance. Others denied Christ publicly. They were in despair and defeat. But the Bible tells us something very interesting here in verse 8. Notice what it says, something powerful. When the women saw that Jesus was alive and the tomb was empty, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Now that word fear means awe and wonder. 
And I want you to circle those two words, great joy. They experienced now the joy of the resurrection of knowing that Jesus was alive. Just three days earlier, they had seen Jesus Christ crucified on a Roman cross. They had seen him betrayed by those whom he trusted, denied by those closest to him, traded for a criminal and a murderer, Barabbas. They had seen him beaten within an inch of his life with 39 lashes of the Roman cat of nine tails. They had seen him stretch out his arms to be nailed on a cross, beaten and battered, bloodied and bruised, the weight of the sin of the world upon his shoulders. Three days earlier, they had seen him cry, it is finished, and there... Between two thieves, nailed to a cross, he died. They were discouraged, defeated, living in despair. But now they could have joy. They were living with the promise and the hope of the resurrection. The remarkable change in the lives of the disciples and the followers of Jesus is one of the evidences of the proof of the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection is true. Notice how the lives of the disciples changed. Three days, the death of Jesus, they were scattered and worried, living in defeat, wondering what would be next. But after the resurrection, they were completely and totally transformed. They were no longer living in defeat. They were living in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in in 1 Corinthians 15 that we can live in light of the power of the resurrection. The Bible tells us in the Gospels that over 500 witnesses saw the risen Christ. All the Jewish leaders had to do. All that Rome had to do was to produce a body. And some say, well, the disciples, they snuck in at night and they stole the body of Jesus and they hid it somewhere. So do you really think the disciples would be part of some big scheme of deception and then go to their death, their persecution, their death, their banishment to exile? You think that they would all go to their death and exile holding this as a lie? The transformation of the disciples is proof the resurrection of Christ is true. They were transformed from despair to delight. Not only that, they were transformed from worry to worship. From worry to worship. Yes, they were in fear. Yes, they were concerned. Yes, they were worried. But that fear and that worry and that concern was transformed into joy and power and courage. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 9. They came up and took hold of his feet, and the Bible says they worshiped him. Just days before Jesus was denied by Peter, he was betrayed by Judas, he was rejected, he was ridiculed, he was abandoned, he was deserted. Days before on the cross, he was all alone, bearing the weight of the sin of the world. But now the Bible says they took hold of his feet, and they began to worship him. Have you ever noticed that it's hard for it's hard for us to worry and worship at the same time? It's true that when we look around us, when we look at the problems that surround us, we can be consumed with worry because our circumstances kind of inform the narrative of our lives and we become the center of our universe. But when we look to the empty tomb, 
We can be filled no longer with worry, but we can be filled with worship, recognizing that our circumstances don't dictate our attitude or our behaviors, but the joy of knowing the resurrected Jesus gives us hope and peace and power. And when we worship, we are surrendering everything to the Lord, recognizing it's all in his hands. He's in control. I love the old hymn that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. They were transformed from despair to delight, from worry to worship, and they were transformed from concern to courage. This is what we see in verse 10. The followers of Jesus scattered. Peter even denied Christ. Many followed from a distance on the night he was betrayed. But, but after the resurrection, these cowards that were hiding in, in places where they couldn't be found, these cowards that were doing everything to not be associated with Jesus had now been transformed into courageous disciples. Why? Because they knew the reality of the resurrection. Jesus was alive and now they were bold and powerful to proclaim that eternal truth. See what had happened. How can you explain the transformation in the lives of these disciples? They had seen the risen Christ. In verse 6, the angel invites the women, come and see the place where he lay. Come see where he was. And then later in verse 10, Jesus instructs the disciples to go and tell the brothers, go and tell the followers of Jesus. And so the message is transformed from come and see to go and tell. And what did the followers of Jesus do? They went and they began to tell of the message of Jesus Christ. Peter, who denied Christ three times, is now boldly preaching in Acts chapter 2, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power that it contains. The church of God is born through the resurrection power of Christ. We can have hope because the tomb is emptied. Our lives can be filled because of the empty tomb. The Bible says he's not here. He's risen. Can I remind you about the truth of the resurrection and what it teaches us? First of all, the resurrection proves that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus had promised in the Gospel of John, I'm going to lay down my life, but I will take it up again. If the resurrection had not come about, Christ would have just been another religious leader who was martyred for his faith. But because of the resurrection, the resurrection is the stamp of God's approval that he accepted the death of Christ on the cross as payment for sin, and the resurrection gives us power to conquer the grave. It proves that Jesus is the Son of God. Not only that, it points to the truth of the Bible. Throughout the Old and New Testament, there are promises and prophecies that the Messiah would suffer and die, but that he would also rise again and be glorified. If the resurrection had not existed, the Bible would be just another religious book that might inspire us, but it could not transform us. This is truly the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. The resurrection proves that Jesus is the Son of God. It points to the truth of the Bible, and it promises our own future resurrection. 
that if we identify with Christ, repent of our sins and place our faith in him, that one day we will experience also new life in Christ, eternal life promised in John 3.16. Because of the resurrection, Christ conquered death, hell, the grave, all of his enemies. And when we are identified with him in salvation, we now are victorious because he is victorious. Death cannot hold us. We will be raised to new life in Christ. The pyramids of Egypt are famous because they contain the mummified bodies of the kings of Egypt through the generations. The tomb of Muhammad is famous for the stone coffin and the bones that it contains. Westminster Abbey in London is famous because in it rest many nobles and notables throughout England. Taj Mahal is famous. It was built to memorialize one of the wives of India's shahs. Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C. is famous. For there rests many famous, outstanding Americans. But the garden tomb is famous, not because of what is in it. The garden tomb is famous because it is empty. He is not here. He is risen just as he says. The resurrection is proof that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's proof that you and I can have brand new life in Christ. It's proof that the Bible is true and that everything God says here is the Word of God and you can take it to heart. The Bible tells us throughout Scripture, that you and I have sinned, and because of sin, we are separated from God. The God who loved us, the God who created us, the God who wants to have a relationship with us, we're now separated from Him because of sin. There's this great chasm that you can't cross and I can't cross, and because we couldn't be good enough to get to God, the Bible says God came to us. God sent His one and only Son to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect, sinless life, and to die a violent but vicarious death. That means a death in your place and in my place on the cross. The Bible says that God loved us so much, even while we were sinners. Christ died for us. He paid for your sin and mine. The Bible says He did not stay dead. On the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He conquered death hell, the grave, and all of his enemies. And now he lives today to offer salvation to all who will repent and believe and place their faith and trust in him. You today can know Jesus in his resurrection power. But you must respond. This is a truth that requires action on your part. It requires an answer. The question is, will you trust this Jesus? This Jesus that died for your sins, that rose again on the third day, that offers salvation to you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. But right now where you are, I just want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. All over this place, I know it may be strange, wherever you are, all over this community, bow your heads and close your eyes. Has there been a time in your life where you've repented of your sins? You've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus in his resurrection power? Are you certain that you're going to heaven one day? You can know him. 
If God is speaking to you today and you want to respond, you can pray a prayer very similar to this. This is not a magical, mystical prayer. This must be a prayer from your heart. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin has separated me from God. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. I believe he died for my sins. And he rose again on the third day. I believe today that he can save me. I repent of my sins and I place my faith and trust in Jesus. Come into my life. You be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. Right where you are now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that, the Bible tells us that God promises, if you meant that, you have been saved by the power of Jesus Christ. Saved from what you deserve, the consequences of sin, which is death. And saved now to be a part of the family, headed to heaven. You have a relationship with God. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we want to know about it so we can minister to you the best that we can in these days. Please do us a favor. Text the word RESPOND to 478-324-5402. Please text the word RESPOND. We want to connect with you and minister to you. We want to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and you have questions about what it means to be a part of Second Baptist Church, our second family. You can text the word RESPOND. We can tell you what it means to partner with us in ministry and mission. If you need prayer, please, the same word to the same number, we want to pray for you and minister to you the best that we can while we're apart.